An annotated and condensed version of the lecture I gave on the Grateful Dead and 1960s American history, including a rare acoustic performance by Japan's premier Grateful Dead tribute band, The Warlocks of Tokyo, on episode 33 of... Go for so uh, first we're going to hear from our guest speaker. He's originally from Long Island in New York in the United States, but he's lived and worked in several places in the U.S. and now after coming to Japan throughout the world. His talents are extremely diverse. He's a lawyer by day, by night and weekend, a writer, a director and producer, a musician, a comedian, and of course, here in Japan, a token crazy gaijin. These diverse roles and interests have helped shape him into the upstanding model citizen you see before us. So I've invited him here today because he's passionate about music and, quite frankly, he knows his shit. In fact, I think he knows more about American music and American culture than anyone I've met. He's also confessed to me that it's been one of his dreams to speak before a university class. So you guys are about to make his dream come true. Please help me in welcoming Eric Leventhal. Thank you for that introduction, former podcast guest Ashlyn Maley. What follows is a heavily edited lecture that I gave to a group of Japanese college students, probably about 70 or 80. They are all Ashlyn students, and they are all studying linguistics at Osaka University. So if I speak too fast at any point, that is my New York bench. So I'm very, very sorry for that, but New Yorkers talk too fast. So if I talk too fast, you just say, Eric, you're talking too fast. Stop talking too fast, Eric. Okay? Yeah. In college, <laughs> I wrote a paper about the subculture, the culture of fans of this band, The Grateful Dead, and the bands that followed the Grateful Dead. And in your reading assignment, did you guys all read the reading assignment? A part of the reading assignment was a sample, an excerpt from that paper. And then in law school, I wrote a paper on music copyright law. It was probably very boring. <laughs> um, okay. So just so you know who I am, um, I want to talk about my thesis, and the best way to talk about something that's new, I think, is to show pictures. And this, I, I actually never got her name, <laughs> but she was this, was, this photograph was taken in Florida at the Langarado Music Festival, and I asked her if I could take her picture, a miracle refers to a free ticket to the concert. And Grateful Dead fans would stand outside of shows and say, I need a miracle, man. Who's got my miracle? And it doesn't mean a miracle from God or from some other source. It's just talking about a free ticket to the concert. So she's saying, I need a free ticket to the concert. 
but I will also take some money. And so I asked her if I could take her photograph, and she said yes, but then the guys who she was with, they were kind of sketchy, suspicious, Ayashi, a little bit, and they said, hey man, you gotta kick down to get down, brother. And what they meant was, what will you give us if we give you the photo? And so I said, do you want my highlighter? And they took my highlighter, and then I took this picture. True story. Okay, now it comes to the part of our conversation where I make you guys talk to me. What does hippie mean to you? I will stand here all night not saying anything unless one of you answers my question. What does hippie mean to you? It's gonna be a long night, guys. I, I have the classroom until tomorrow night. So if nobody says anything, you will not be able to sleep tonight. You have to stay here. So one more time, what does hippie mean to you? There is no wrong answer. Please. Oh, I see a volunteer. Oh, thank you so much, Tony. I've never thinking about that question, so making more water is kind of, you know, difficult for me. Uh, anything. What, what, does, what does it make you think of? That means to me a, something, you know, it's kind of a symbol of subculture. Okay. That's, that's great. That's a great answer. In fact, it's the best answer we've gotten. Because nobody else has given another answer. Sounds good. Kind of diet. This is the last time I bring you to class. I, I'm sorry. Please, please continue. Sounds good. A kind of riot against something. A protest. Yeah. That's that's a great answer. The the hippies were associated with disagreeing with the government and with other people. I, I can tell that you guys do not want to answer my questions, so I will move on, but if somebody, maybe we can hear from a girl. I'm gonna pick on somebody. Nobody wants to volunteer? Okay, you were sitting right here, I'm sorry. She doesn't know the answer, only you do. Have you ever seen, do you, do you have you seen any movies or TV shows about the 1960s, about hippies? Never. Maybe there's a certain type of clothing that you think of. Will you talk about that? Okay. You, you're, you have a, a look on your face that says, please leave me alone, Eric. <laughs> I, know, I know that look. My, my ex-girlfriend gives me that look sometimes, so I know that look. What about this table over here? Does anybody, you guys are, all of them are going like this. Oh God, please don't call on me. Oh God, leave me alone. One kind of volunteer, no? Uh, I see a volunteer in the front row. Yes. Free sex. Free sex is a magnificent answer. Free sex is a wonderful answer. Actually, hippies were associated with the idea of free love which meant that we didn't need to be married to have sex. You didn't need to be boyfriend and girlfriend 
to have sex. In fact, you could have sex with your best friend's boyfriend. And that was okay, because love was free. It wasn't something to worry about or be upset about. It was something to do, because it felt good. What about this guy? Do you guys know who that is? You can shout it out if you know who that is. Jerry, Jerry Garcia. Th that is not Jerry Garcia, but I love that answer, because that is actually Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Computers back in the mid-1970s. And the reason you might think he was Jerry Garcia is because he looks like a hippie, right? He's got a beard. Wait, hold on a sec, maybe I'm a hippie. He's got a beard, long hair, he's smiling really wide. In fact, Steve Jobs was a hippie. This is a quote that Steve Jobs said. He said, drugs, which is another aspect of hippie culture, and I'm going to talk more about that later. They reinforced my sense of what was important. My life became about creating great things instead of making money and, and putting things into the stream of history and human consciousness. He sounds like maybe he likes the Grateful Dead. And in fact, he did like the Grateful Dead. Uh, one of Steve Jobs' favorite albums, he was asked right before he passed away, and he said that the Grateful Dead's American Beauty was one of his 10 favorite albums. And I wanna show you guys, I bought some, some goodies to show you. I hope that's okay. The Grateful Dead released a lot of albums in their time, but they're mostly famous for their concerts. But this album is one of Steve Jobs' favorite albums ever. And the name of the album is American Beauty. And it's got this beautiful rose here, but something that's kind of cool about this album. You guys can see that that says beauty, but it also says reality. Hidden in the album is the word reality and also the word beauty. Will you, will you pass this around to you so everybody can see? The ideas of the hippie movement to share became important parts of the open source movement and of, of creative, like let's, hey, I don't need to be the number one inventor. I just want to invent something important. Hey man, let's change the world. This idea very much comes from the hippie movement and the desire to bring people together in peace. Gosh, what could be a better way to bring people together than the internet? Internet, the very word means interconnectivity, bringing people together, sunagaru, bring everybody together and how can we do that let people talk to each other skipping ahead but at the same time you were 18 in america in the 1960s you could fight that war and you had to fight that war you could not vote until you were 20 and you could not participate in society in that way so you were old enough to die for your country but not old enough to vote for whether it was the right decision for you to be in that war so young Americans started off the 60s very, very wealthy, not necessarily wealthy, but, but happy and, and simple. And then all these bad things started to happen. John F. Kennedy, who was a very popular president, was killed in Dallas in November of 1963. And the, the war in Vietnam, and people started to say, wait a second, why am I listening to the government? 
I don't, I don't believe that. I don't want to be part of what you tell me America is about. And you had this conflict between young Americans and older Americans. And the 1960s was all about that conflict. And young people started to do things that they weren't supposed to do. They started to do drugs. And everything started to change. And you had black Americans and women who were not equal parts of society. So they were angry. And you had this war, and you had this generation divide. They used to say, never trust anyone over 30. I'm 30 though, so you can trust me. And, and people began to protest the war. You said protest earlier, that's a, that's a great point. It became a big part of the younger people saying, we don't want to fight this war, this war is wrong. And the older people saying, I fought in World War II, and I fought in Korea, and this is, you, you don't have to care. It doesn't matter what you think. If the government tells you to do something, you do it. So this is a linguistics class. So I want to talk about some of the words and phrases that people said in the 1960s. And people still say a lot of these. Right on. Can you dig? Cool. Cool, man. That's really cool. Hey, badass. Oh, man, I met this hip cat. He laid it on me, brother. The fuzz. Does anybody here know who the fuzz are? Or who the pigs are? Any guesses? The fuzz are the police. And a pig was said to be a police officer. What a trip, man. It was groovy, far out, out of sight. It was gas. Do you guys know what a pad is? Pad? Any guesses? That's my, that's an apartment or a home. Like, later on we can go to my pad. Unless you got busted, man, that'd be a drag. And now enter the Grateful Dead, of course. And you guys might recognize these cute little bears. They're just so kawaii. I mean, it's perfect for Japan, I, I think. These are, uh, this is the Grateful Dead's logo. These are the members of the Grateful Dead in the 1960s. This is a free concert the Grateful Dead played for tens of thousands of people in San Francisco. So the Grateful Dead were this band. I've already talked about them a little. They began in 1965 in San Francisco. Quintessential, do you guys know what quintessential means? It means the, the best example. I am not a quintessential lawyer. You understand? <laughs> no, you don't understand, Ken. But you do understand. Uh, so it, it, the best example, the most um, typical example, that's what quintessential means. So they, they were a San Francisco band in the 1960s. They're the most famous, the most popular. Um, they would play different genres of music. They would play a country song, then they would play a blues song, then they would play a bluegrass song, then a jazz song. They mixed everything together and they, they jammed. Their songs were loose and unstructured and they would change the way they would happen. Every time they played a song, it was different. The guitar solo was different, or the bass solo was different, or they would take the, the song into a different place. They would change the key in the middle of the song, or add new lyrics that they made up on the spot. That was what The Grateful Dead was about. They were about a different experience every show. They were the house band for Ken Kesey, who is a very famous American writer who wrote a book called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. They were the house band for what became known as the acid test. Acid is another word for lysergic diethylamide, or LSD, which is a bad, dangerous drug. You should not do it, don't do it. But they were an important part of the 1960s because Ken Kesey 
along with Timothy Leary, who I mentioned earlier, were these very smart, successful, talented people who told young people that experimenting with drugs was a good thing, that it could change the way you saw the world. Steve Jobs talked about how his idea of the world changed from that. He became a different person because of the way he saw the world in a different way afterwards. Timothy Leary used to say, human psychology has only, until now, studied the way humans behave. We've watched people behave, we've, we've written notes, we've, we've studied them, but we've never done anything to change the way humans behave. And Timothy Leary thought that acid could be used to change the way people acted, and we could learn from watching how people changed. So the Dead were the house band. They were the band that, that always played at these events when people, young people would come to San Francisco and take this drug, and then the band that was playing was the Grateful Dead. So just to give you an idea of their sort of place in the culture. From the 30 years that they played before their lead singer, Jerry Garcia, died, they played over 2,300 concerts, including a concert, several concerts, at the Pyramids in Egypt. Um, they, they changed the way bands interacted with their fans. This is before the internet. I know it's really difficult for you guys to imagine life before the internet, but the Grateful Dead knew every single one of their fans. They had a mailing list and a magazine that they made for their fans that they would give to them. And they told their fans, you can record our concerts just like this. You can record our concerts and listen to them and share them with your friends. And people would write letters to each other in the mail, not emails, letters. And they would share, they would mail each other a tape. Hey, did you go to the June 14th concert in Seattle? I recorded that concert, I'll send you a tape. And they would take these concerts and share them. And people would make copies of those tapes. And soon more and more people became fans of this band. And the fans became known as Deadheads. Deadheads recorded the concerts, they traveled around the country, and they wouldn't, you wouldn't, if you were a deadhead, you didn't just go to see the Grateful Dead once. You went to see as many concerts as you could. Maybe if the Grateful Dead played 30 concerts, you'd try to go to all 30 concerts. That was devotion, obsessive devotion. And you would trade a tape of a concert you had for a ticket, or you'd say, hey, I can give you a ride to the next concert, but do you have a free ticket for me tonight? Unfortunately, Jerry Garcia died in 1995 and the band stopped performing. I wrote that thesis about what happened after, what happened to the subculture, the deadhead bands after Jerry Garcia died. Tribute bands started to sprout up all over the world and we are very fortunate to have Japan's finest Grateful Dead tribute band with us tonight. The Warlocks of Tokyo are these fine folks over here. Well, some of the folks in front of me. This is Chi. Chi, will you raise your hand for me? Sorry. Chi, everybody. <laughs> and this is, this is Ken right here. They're, they're in the uh, Warlocks of Tokyo. The Warlocks was actually the original name of the Grateful Dead before they changed their name. So they're the Warlocks 
of Tokyo. And you should all like them on Facebook and go see their concerts because they're magnificent and wonderful and you'll get to see how great they are in a little bit. And these are the members of the band and they play only songs that the Grateful Dead used to play. Not just songs that the Grateful Dead wrote, but also the songs that the Grateful Dead used to play that were written by other artists. Ken has translated some of the Grateful Dead songs into Japanese. That's amazing and really, really difficult. Okay, I'll spare you more of my unwarranted, ill-advised attempt at being a college professor, and I'll just give you some performances from the Warlocks of Tokyo. First up, the Grateful Dead's Bertha in Japanese. How about we um, give, a, give, a, give a hand to these guys and let them up here to play? Let's do that. Please, 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 please. Ongaku, ongaku.
It's important to note that this is not the full band of the Warlocks of Tokyo. It's just Japan's Jerry Garcia, Ken Sasaki, or Takakatsu Sasaki, and Chi Sukagawa, Japan's Dana Jean Gacho, as well as Narumi Hijikata, a guitarist who plays in a different Japanese Grateful Dead tribute band, but who lives in Kansai and was able to join Ken and Chi for the performance. Here now is Ripple. Oh, 
song is beautiful in any language. I really believe that. And finally, another song from the Grateful Dead's 1970 masterpiece, American Beauty. This one's called Broke Down Palace. The most appreciated song of the Grateful Dead. I love this song very much. <laughs> Thank 
Yes, indeed. Arigato gozaimashita to everybody for listening to the Warlocks of Tokyo for being on my shitty podcast, although they don't really know they're on it. I did tell them, but it's unclear that they really understand. To Kuma, their sound guy, a.k.a. Bear. To Ashlyn for asking me and letting me give that speech. It was so friggin' cool and getting to know Ken and Chi much better. It was awesome. What an incredible experience. There's going to be one more episode of Go for Gaijin, and then I'm going to be back in America. So, God, if you've made it to the end of this episode, first off, I'm sorry, and second off, wow, only one more Go for Gaijin left, folks. So, sayonara.